Here's the thing. The Lakers looking to trade their young assets for Anthony Davis is not breaking news. That's just a regular day in the NBA. And it's not a secret that the Lakers want Anthony Davis. Stop projecting that as breaking news. When you say the Lakers are saving up their young assets to make a move for Anthony Davis in the summer, that's not breaking news. Breaking news would be the Lakers just traded for Anthony Davis in the now. There's not an NBA fan that doesn't know the Lakers want Anthony Davis, just like there's not an NBA fan that also doesn't know the Boston Celtics have better tradable assets than the Los Angeles Lakers. It's news. It's not breaking news. Let's check out both conferences and see where we're at thus far in this season. It's the Cypher. Also not breaking news, the Lakers, as they currently stand with their current roster, they're not title contenders, but they're 18 and 12. They're currently fourth in the Western Conference. And I'll say what I've said before the season in the earlier episodes of the Cypher. They're right where they should be with the talent that they have playing off of the best player in the game. No, they can't win a title if LeBron doesn't have a second star to play off of. In truth, the way the NBA is currently built, he's probably going to need a second star and then a third star. You always need a third option. But as they're currently put together, this current roster, they're fine. There should be no pressure. And yet you it feels like Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka are feeling pressure. Maybe that's coming from Genie. Maybe it's coming from LeBron and his camp. Maybe promises were made to him. Because I'll be the first to admit, I didn't think LeBron would come to the Lakers. I've said this before because I knew when coming to the Lakers, he's given away a season. They're not built to win now. He was coming to a team with potential stars, with potential talent. You're not going to win a title off of potential. And yet he came. And to me, for him to come, he and Magic had to have a conversation. And maybe Magic laid out a plan about how he was going to acquire a second superstar and maybe even a third all-star to play off both of them. And the plan is great. It sounds good on paper. Then you've got to execute it. And I know a lot of delusional fans want to obviously overrate their team overrate their standings in the world. You're going to hear them say it's the Lakers. Why wouldn't Kawhi want to go there? Why wouldn't KD want to go there? Why wouldn't Clay want to go there? Why wouldn't Kimba Walker want to go there? Trust me, Kimba Walker would want to go there. But if you're the Lakers, as much as I like Kimba Walker, he doesn't raise the bar. He doesn't make you a title contender on a good team. He could be your third option but not for the price that he's looking for. But I digress. My point is this. Yes, Adrian Wojnarowski, Woj of ESPN is great at breaking stories, at breaking news about player movement, 
contract signings, players getting cut, the whole nine. He's that dude. But making a statement like the Lakers want Anthony Davis and they're stockpiling their young assets looking to trade for Anthony Davis sometime next season or beyond that. Because remember, Anthony Davis is under contract for the next two seasons. And if I'm the Pelicans, I'm in no rush to move that man. So while the Lakers might want to pursue that trade, making it actually happen is a lot harder to do. Also, factor in the Boston Celtics have better trade assets than the Lakers do. So if if it becomes a bidding war for the services of Anthony Davis, the Lakers are going to take an L. I like the young talent on the Lakers. If I have one question mark, and it's the same one that I've constantly thought about, debated about, I don't know their ceilings. What I believe is Kuzma, his skill set fits LeBron's better. No argument there. And with Lonzo, I'll never question Lonzo's ability to be a good NBA player. But the clock is ticking if the Lakers are going to contend for titles in the LeBron era. They're going to have to decide which of their young core is part of their future and which are trade assets. And it seems like Brandon Ingram will be part of whatever package the Lakers put together to try to acquire a second superstar. I still think Ingram has a greater upside than Cal Kuzma, but the more I watch the Lakers play, it's clear Kuzma's skill set, it plays better with LeBron. And if you're Magic Johnson and Rob Polinka, it's all about putting better talent around LeBron. Ingram will pound the rock. He can create off the dribble versus what Kuzma does. Kuzma's a catch-and-shoot guy. He moves well without the ball. And maybe sometimes it's even a chemistry thing. I think in the right system, though, Ingram will be an all-star caliber player. But I also believe, like I said, Kuzma is the perfect third option on a title contender. Which brings us back to Lonzo and Josh Hart. One or both of them will also be included in any package for AD. And I know there's a part of me that says you don't trade away three or four young, talented players for one guy. But the truth is. If you bring in LeBron at age 33 and it takes three or four of those young, talented players to get Anthony Davis, you absolutely trade three or four of them to get Anthony Davis and pair him with LeBron. And I know all the rumors and speculation about the Lakers adding Kawhi and KD and Clay. And like I said, in my gut, my gut feeling is the Lakers won't be able to sign any of those guys. I don't see the Pelicans in a rush to move AD. What if the Lakers come up empty? What if they get no one? We're talking about a league that's superstar driven. Why would the Pelicans be so quick to move one of the few superstars that are in the NBA? Think about what Magic Johnson is facing if he can't pull off bringing in a big name free agent and then they fail to bring in Anthony Davis. Then you're talking about LeBron coming back in year two with Kuzma, who should be a year better as well for Ingram and Lonzo. The problem is you need 
two of those guys to make a leap forward. I do think Kuzma has the potential to be the, the, the third guy. But if he's the second guy, that's not good enough. Ingram can be the second guy, but he doesn't pair well with LeBron because they both need the rock in their hands to be effective. When I look at the plan, and obviously Magic's plan is to bring, bring in that big name free agent. It's to have a strong number two. But you have to keep your eye on Danny Ainge and those Celtics. When you look at their assets, remember, they got the Sixers pick because the Sixers wanted Markel Folk so bad. So they have that pick along with some of the tradable assets like Terry Rozier or Jalen Brown. Boston is actually in a far better position to trade for Anthony Davis than the Lakers are. And in a scary way, they have that going for them. And they've also turned around their season by just adding Marcus Smart to the lineup. Boston is still a title contender with their current roster. But just imagine what they could do adding Anthony Davis. I think Magic should exercise patience. Unless you know for sure you can pull off getting Anthony Davis in a deal, I say do that right now. I say do that ASAP. But other than getting Anthony Davis, the smart move for Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka, let these young, talented players play out. Let them continue to develop. Maybe Lonzo will develop into an almost star quality player. Maybe Kuzma's more than a third option. Maybe Brandon Ingram finds some type of rhythm with LeBron and suddenly his value as a teammate is better than his value as a trade asset. All I'm saying is choose patience over panic magic. Just think about it, fam. Take a beat. Speaking of teams that need to make a move. The Milwaukee Bucks, even though they're 20 and nine and I love the length of their starting five and how well they help each other in defense. Brooke Lopez will never be confused with Alonzo Mourning, but he is competing on that end in a way he's never done before. And he's averaging just under two blocks per game to go with the 12 points and four rebounds they get in his 28 minutes on the floor. I love the fact that all five starters are scoring threats obviously led by Giannis, 26 points per game, followed by Middleton and Bledsoe with 17 and 16 each. The addition of George Hill should stabilize their bench, but I still think the lack of firepower will hurt the Bucks in the playoffs. And while Giannis, a.k.a. the Greek freak, has been great this season, his lack of a consistent jumper will be an issue in the playoffs. And I know it's weird to say when you're talking about a guy that shoots 58% from the floor without a jump shot. He only shoots 14% from three, so he's a non-factor from there. But here's the crazy thing. He's even worse from the mid-range. He only shoots 6.2% with shots 10 to 16 feet away from the basket. I know every team looks to improve for the playoff push. For the Bucks to go from playoff contenders to legitimate title contenders, their best player has got to develop some kind of consistent mid-range jump shot. What Giannis is doing actually goes against the current style in this era in the NBA. 
He's not playing from the arc. Giannis is playing old school bully ball. Much like James Harden, Giannis initiates contact when he goes to the basket, gets to the free throw line about nine times a game. But he has no mid-range game. He has no perimeter game. Everything he gets is either either in the open floor or through attacking in the half-court set. But I say that once the playoffs begin, and you know how this works in the playoffs, the game slows down, it becomes more of a grind, and it becomes more about half-court execution. And the Bucs aren't the best in a half-court set. And as gifted as Giannis is, the better teams, they will load up on his strong hand and make him shoot over a top. And that's something that's not a strength of his. He's a unique talent. But I can't make him or rate him ahead of Kevin Durant. Because in the playoffs, KD can adjust to any defense. Giannis, if you build a wall and attack that strong hand, he doesn't have a counter for that. And until he works on his game beyond working in the paint, in a restricted area, I think the Bucks will be playoff contenders, not title contenders. And in the West, when you look at the, the Nuggets, and I, you know me, I've been riding on the Nuggets. I've been high on the Nuggets from the jump since last season. When the Nuggets are at 100%, they can be dynamic on offense and defense. This team, with their young core and some of their veterans, they have every component needed right now, in my opinion, to contend for a title. Jokic is a legit franchise player. And Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and Will Barton are a talented trio at the guard spot. Add in a solid veteran like Paul Millsap and Mason Plumlee, who I think is the best backup center in the NBA. And they have talent, they have depth, and they have veteran leadership. If there's a clear weakness on the Nuggets, it's that their perimeter players, I'm talking about Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and a few others, their shot selection can be erratic. They can be rushed. Sometimes they play without poise and pace. But if their coach can galvanize them, and if they play through Jokic, this team, I'm not being prisoner a moment. I'm not saying they're going to beat the Golden State Warriors, but more so than any team in the West, I'd love to see a conference final matchup of the Warriors and the Nuggets. Before I get into the insane comment that I heard today from Fox Sports' Chris Carter, I want to point out and acknowledge some of the great Christmas Day performances in NBA history. How about Big Wilt? Wilt the Stilt. 59 points and 36 rebounds versus the Knicks. Rick Barry went for 50 in 66-67. Tiny Archibald, 18 assists on Christmas Day. How about Bernard King? Maybe the man with the quickest release I've ever seen. He went for 61. Dominique went for 45 and 9. Jordan, 42, 8 and 5. How about Scottie Pippen as the lead man on Christmas Day against the Knicks? 36, 16 and 5. Or T Mac versus the Pistons, 46 and 6. D Wade, 06. Supposed to be a big battle between him and Kobe. Wade, 40 points, 11 rebounds. 
held Kobe to 16. LeBron, in 2010, 27, 11, and 10 versus the Lakers. Jerry West, Mr. Clutch. Jerry West on Christmas Day, and he's played on several Christmas days, he averages over 32 points per game on Christmas Day. Patrick Ewing didn't score the most points, but he did score 18 points in the fourth quarter in a victory against the Celtics way back in 84. And KD, 44 points against the Nuggets back in 09. So getting back to Chris Carter's comments. Of course, him and Nick Wright, they're speculating and talking about the Lakers' pursuit of Anthony Davis. And during that conversation, Chris Carter said, Anthony Davis, right now in his prime, is better than Dwayne Wade in his prime. And I just can't give you that. that that's not a factual statement. Until Anthony Davis carries a team on his back to the NBA Finals, wins Finals MVP, You can't get that. Anthony Davis is a talented dude and he can rock. No question. And I'm a fan. But to just write Wade off as an afterthought, that's kind of crazy. Prime D Wade would be D Wade from age 24 to what, 26? That's 27 points a game. That's seven assists a game along with five rebounds, almost two steals and over a block a game. That's what he was doing in his prime. I like Anthony Davis. And I'll give you, he's the big man. So no question, he's going to have more rebounds per game than Dwayne Wade. But what D. Wade has, what he's always had, especially in his prime, he wasn't just a fierce competitor. He had that dog in him. D. Wade in his prime, he's dunking on Anthony Davis. I like Anthony Davis. And maybe... As his career plays out, because he's still in the early stages, he may surpass Dwayne Wade. But right now, today, his very best version of himself, the current version versus the very best version of Flash. I'll take Flash. Hey, Facebook fam, good looking out. I'm going to be back tomorrow. I was going to give you my all underrated squad today, but I'll do that tomorrow. And we'll get into some scores and talk about some other trades or potential trades in the NBA. Along with, we're going to take a look at some potential playoff matchups in the NFL. We don't really run it like that in the NFL on a regular basis, but tomorrow we'll talk a little NFL and have some fun with that. Appreciate the support. Much love. It's the Cypher. Next time.